Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Taylor Haas. You're Danny Shirey. We're back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, nothing really to say there. You were off for three weeks. I got my friend Alex to fill in the first of those three weeks. He couldn't uh, do the last two weeks, so I didn't want to do it by myself. But you're back. We're back. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're in Detroit, by the way. So you're going to be – we're recording this on Friday. You might be listening to this after the Penguins game Saturday. Could change a little bit of what we're about to talk about. But, I mean, the big thing – Everyone wants to know what we want to talk about. Is this a playoff team? Are the Penguins going to make the playoffs? Because right now it's looking pretty bleak. Well, the one thing I will say is that there's so many people that have been like, uh, regardless of what happens, like the Penguins are not a playoff team. Well, if, if they get into the playoffs, like they are a playoff team. They're they're not the only like mediocre average team in the NHL. Like if they get into the playoffs, they are a playoff team. That being said, are they a playoff team that's going to do anything? I certainly don't think so. Like even, even if they do end up getting in here, I really, really struggle to see them even taking two or three games in a series against whoever they might play against. I mean, yeah, I mean, so back to the point of like, you know, what fans are saying, I I've seen wait, we talked about this on the episode, Alex and I did when, when you weren't here, but um, there's so many fans, Penguins fans that are saying, you know what? I'd rather play Boston in the first round. If the options are like uh, Carolina, New Jersey, Boston, I, I don't think the Penguins come out on top against any of those teams. But to say you want Boston in the first round, you want you want Boston in the first round, that doesn't make any sense to me. The Boston Bruins, one of the greatest team regular season teams in NHL history. Allmark, he's going to win the Vesna. His goal saved above expected is like 40 Things don't look good either way when the Peng- if the Penguins do get into the playoffs. Well, but. yeah, it's it's like <clears throat> if it's Boston, you're going up against, like you said, the, one of the best regular season teams in NHL history who the Penguins did not beat at all this season. But then you look at, at Carolina and New Jersey as well. They didn't beat any of those teams either. <laughs> it's like the Penguins have only, I think it's six wins all season. Actually, it might be eight because the Panthers are in a playoff spot right now. But they, they've got six or eight wins depending on whether Florida is or in is or isn't in the playoff picture against T- the Eastern Conference playoff teams right now. And uh, a decent chunk of them, I th- I think, 
three came against Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Two or three came against Tampa Bay. Two came against the Rangers, right? So that that accounts for a giant chunk of those wins, and a lot a lot of the rest of the standings points they've racked up this year were against teams that aren't in the playoff picture, and that goes for the Western Conference as well. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that if they do find a way to get in, and I'm like I said, I'm not expecting this to happen, but how ironic and just fitting would it be for the sport of hockey that like the worst Penguins team that we've seen in a very, very, very long time would be the one to like finally win a playoff round after they haven't advanced in, in four or five seasons. Like that would just be so on brand for hockey, especially going up against one of the best regular season teams of all time. Um I, no, I know, I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I know one of the reasons why people are saying Boston is because obviously President's Trophy winners, there's this perception that some people have that, like, oh, the President's Trophy winners typically don't do very well in the playoffs. And, you know, they think about like Columbus sweeping Tampa. It The, the President's Trophy winners are typically not, they, they don't most of the time win the Stanley Cup. Um, but I, I I don't I remember I don't have I don't have the odds off the top of my head. I think the last team to win the President Trophy and the Stanley Cup was like one of the Blackhawks teams. But they typically do make it out of the first round. When you remember President's Trophy winners um, flaming out the first round, that's not because it typically happens. That's just because when it does happen, you're like, wow, you remember that Tampa getting swept in the first round when they had you know what a record setting uh, season for them. So that doesn't mean it happens more often, but. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is that you can't just like straight up point to winning a cup in, in that regard to necessarily say like, Oh, this president's trophy team was, was a failure, right? There's still 16 teams in the playoffs and you, and you look at any of the like probability models that are out there, um, like the playoff models and each team's probability to like advance to any round. And then you go further down and look at teams probability of, of winning the Stanley cup every single year, even the best teams really only have like a somewhere between like a 20 and 30 percent chance of winning the cup which means that like it's overwhelmingly likely that they don't end up going all the way so that's really something to keep in mind there but again boston has been a team that just in general gives the penguins fits then you look at their their lineup and then look at what the penguins have done all season i just don't really see uh, unless the hockey gods have some divine intervention. Like I was referring to earlier about just some absolute wackiness. I I really just struggle to see that, but um, why don't we get into here um, the schedule for the penguins as well as where the Panthers and Islanders are at right now. So the penguins heading into Saturday. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say to start off just for people. So Friday, there are no games this Friday in the NHL. So nothing's changing. Uh, by the time you're listening to this Saturday um, from when we're recording this, but the Penguins are outside of the playoff picture. Um, the the Panthers and Islanders are the two wild card spots. Those are the two teams they're competing with. There's The Penguins aren't the only team that's still like in contention, but it it's probably going to come down to these three teams. Two of them are going to make it. Um, the Penguins, so the first um, tiebreaker uh, is a regulation wins. Both the Panthers and the Islanders have more regulation wins than the Penguins and the Penguins cannot catch up to either of them in that category. So they need to get in on points alone. They can't, they can't tie them in points and, um, and still make the playoffs because they're not going to win the tiebreaker against either of those, but either of those teams, they're currently a point behind both of them. So uh, that's where things stand. So if you want to look at the schedule. 
Yeah, so it, we're kind of looking at a situation here. The the Penguins mentioned um, a couple game after a couple games ago. They were like, "Yeah, we're still in control of our own destiny here. Like we we can get in if, if we take care of business." Well, all of a sudden, next game, destiny is out of their hands, and and they might need some help even if they do win out all the way here because they are um, behind a point. So the Penguins uh, starting tomorrow here in Detroit have a game against the Red Wings. Um, and then going into next week, they have a home game against the Blackhawks, and then they wrap up the regular season in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. I would say all three of those games are winnable games for the Penguins, but it, again... Especially, we- you look at Columbus and Chicago and how those are two of the worst teams in the entire league, and I, any given team can beat any other given team on any given night, but... You have to figure that both of those games, given they are, it's, you know, these last couple games of the season, you're not going to see many starters um, for either of those because players don't tank, front offices tank. So if you're a, the front office of the Blackhawks or the Blue Jackets, you want the best possible odds for Connor Bedard. You're not going to dress like your Patrick Lyon A um, in that game because you you're going to want to lose that game. Now, if they dress an ECHL lineup, could that lineup, you know, it's a bunch of young kids. They want to prove something. They want to earn a spot. They could go out there, show up, uh, beat the Penguins. That would not be the most surprising thing in the world if things go wrong for both teams. Uh, well, the, the, but the Blue Jackets have been dealing with so many injuries this season, and they're just a, a relatively bad team in general when they are completely healthy, but they've been dealing with so many injuries, especially down the stretch here, that they kind of are icing an ECHL lineup anyway. But with that being said, I have given up on trying to predict, oh, yeah, the Penguins have this game in the bag, right? Like, it's, it's just been absolutely mind-boggling to try and, and wrap your head around why they perform any particular way in any particular game. It's like, I, I keep going back to that game in, in New Jersey, the they, biggest game of the year, and they just came out completely flat and lifeless and looked like it was a friggin' random January weeknight game against the Coyotes. So, yes, you would think they, they're going to get up for those games, and you would think that they would take care of business against those inferior opponents, but who knows what's going to happen with them at this point. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see a, a great game here against the Red Wings on Saturday and then maybe a giant stinker against the Blackhawks and then it's it's going to come down to the wire against the Blue Jackets. Um, so I... <laughs> I really, I really struggle to to try and say, oh, they're going to go three and zero in the stretch or two and one here. It's they have an it's, easier schedule than the Panthers yeah. and the Islanders, though. Yeah. So leading into things. the Islanders' schedule, we'll start with them. So they've got their next three games. They're home against the Flyers, then they're at the Capitals, and then they finish the regular season at home against the Canadians. You would think. You would think that they'll probably take two of those games, particularly I'm I'm looking at the Philly and, and Montreal games there, but even Washington, they've really kind of tapered off and, and fallen off here down the stretch as well after they sold at the deadline. I I don't know. <laughs> but then again, like that's a team that like they're not really in the Connor Bedard race. Um they're still gonna you know, they're gonna want to finish the season on a high note. Ovi's chasing the goal record that he has something to play for. 
uh at this point they have some young players too that are probably gonna be like trying to impress for next season i think like the cap yeah the capitals they're they're not they're already out of playoff contention but they're not a bad team well i i think they're a bad team but they're not that bad (laughs) (laughs) and then looking at the panthers final three games they are at washington and then their final two games are at home against the maple leafs and at home against the hurricanes so i um, i think the hurricanes that so the they're obviously you know neck and neck with new jersey to to win the top spot in the metro so that helps the penguins that you know that game's probably going to mean something for carolina what hurts those toronto is locked into a spot they can't fall or rise in the standing so they're probably gonna they might like rest some of their guys not try too hard in that game yeah, so looking at that, kind of like the Islanders, I could I could see them going two and one in those games, especially just considering the stakes. But that, then I go back to several weeks ago when the Panthers were kind of stumbling here and losing some games that they probably shouldn't have been. It, it's kind of like a Penguin situation where you, you really don't want to put yourself in a spot where you're like, oh, yeah, they got that game in the bag, especially if like the Maple Leafs might be sitting um, some of their guys. But I, looking at this, I, I could see each of these three teams going two and one in these games. Now, of course, if games go to overtime and, and things like that, it might throw things, the, the standings a little out of whack from what we're talking about here. But let's just say all three teams go two and one and the, and the one loss is in regulation and the Penguins are, they're not making the playoffs this year. What, what do you, predictions, prediction time, what do you think actually happens? Do I have I to think, answer? I mean, I'll go first. I, I'll, I'll say that the, the two teams are the Islanders and the Penguins, and the Panthers fall out of it. That's what I'm going to go the with. The Panthers fall out of it. I do. Just looking at, like, the schedule ahead, I would say that they, just if you look at, like, the strength of schedule ahead, I think the Panthers have the harder of the – like, the Penguins obviously have ground to, to – it, it's not all in the Penguins' hands. They need these teams to lose, too. I don't know how the seeding would play out. Um, if it were me, I would like the Penguins to be the top seed in the wild card because I don't want to go to Boston. Like, I just don't want to go to Boston. I don't care what happens. I would rather <laughs> go to Carolina or or Newark, but that's me. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. Like, two weeks ago, I, I was convinced that the Penguins were going to make the playoffs. I I don't think they're a great team and I didn't think that they were going to suddenly like flip a switch down the stretch here, but I, I was pretty confident that they would find a way to sneak in. Now I'm not so confident. And again, a lot could happen and the, you know, all three of these teams might end up only winning one of their final three games. And then we're going to sit here looking like fools. I, this just seems like a really, really tough road ahead. And like so much needs to fall in line for it to happen. Um, I, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say I think the Penguins' playoff streak might be coming to an end. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see what happens. We're going we're gonna to take a break here. We're going to come back. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to look at the goalie situation uh, heading into the offseason and then stay with us third segment. We're going to do a little prospect talk. So stay tuned.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're going to look a little further ahead past the playoffs uh, and talk about what happens this offseason with the goaltending. So dismissed under contract. Sorry, though. Penning UFA has not been re-signed. None of the Penguins Penning UFAs have been re-signed. Hextall's not really one to negotiate in season, but at least with Jari, I think there's a lot up in the air about is it worth bringing him back with the injury problems he's had. It, I th- you know, earlier in the season when he was hurt, it kind of was like, um, like, oh, it's not worth a gamble. But with, with the, as much as he's been out lately, he might be like an intriguing, like buy low option, low risk, <laughs> uh, potential reward option. But just what, what would you do with Jari and does it does it really content you know is it contingent on the playoffs no I I don't think that there's anything that Jari could do here he could post a shutout in these last three games and and play out of his mind in the first round and if the Penguins do make the playoffs he could play out of his mind and I I still don't think that would change um my thoughts on on him the the thing is is that i view this as a as a statement season for jari coming into the year because he was coming off the best regular season of his career and and you look at his numbers and and specifically like his save percentage and his goals saved above expected for each individual season of his career up until last season he had really only been like a league average goalie or below in each of those seasons and then you factor in that one playoff series against the islanders which was one of the absolute worst goalie performances in a single postseason series modern era you factor all that in he really needed to come into this season and and build upon the strong regular season he had last year. He really didn't have a chance to to prove himself when it mattered most um, in the postseason last year against the Rangers because he was dealing with that broken foot. Obviously, he got in for Game Seven and they lost, but you know he was playing on a broken foot, and that I'm not going to judge his performance on that whatsoever. Um, but then you look and. He was playing pretty well earlier in the year, um, you know, when the Penguins were actually going on on a bit of a streak and were putting stringing. It was probably their best stretch of the season. A lot of that had to do with Jari. I don't think he was playing out of his mind, but he was consistently very, very solid. But since then, it's been new injury after new injury. It's been re-aggravating injuries. And then when he has been healthy, the performance has not been spectacular and it's it's like yeah the penguins have been a defensive mess in front of him and oftentimes they're just showing no life whatsoever 
But again, the good goalies and you need your number one guy to to be your backbone and come up with some big saves for you when you need it most. And he hasn't really done that. And you even look at his last um, his last handful of starts going into the other night. He had allowed nine goals in his last two starts and two of the biggest games of the year. And yes, again, the defense in front of him was not spectacular, but it's like what what is going on here? So I, I agree with you that he's kind of. You know, when he was going on that hot streak earlier in the year, it was like, oh, crap, like what are the Penguins going to have to fork out to keep Jari around? But now it's almost a situation where like, well, I don't know that there's many teams out there that are going to want to take a, a flyer on a guy who's never proved proven himself when it's mattered most. And then another thing that you don't even know if he's going to be available when you need him most. So it's yeah. it's really interesting here the, if the Penguins could bring him back because, yes, they have some salary cap space going into the offseason, but they've got some some holes throughout the, the skater lineup that they're going to need to fill. And it might, might, might make a little bit of sense if you can get him at a pretty reasonable cap that's, uh, I don't know, um, I, I haven't given too much thought about what that actual figure, what I would be comfortable with that figure being, but I, I'd have to think if you can get him around what his three and a half million that he's being paid now, or maybe a little less, I, I don't know how you don't jump at that and at least take a risk because that, that's what the Penguins have to do at this stage. Like they're going to have to take some risks. Yeah. So here's what I would do. Um, the UFA market for goalies this uh, summer is horrendous. So I have like, but it's, you're, you're not, if, if Jari is not the option, the answer, the answer is not in free agency. Just looking at the UFAs, you have 37 year old Jonathan Quick, 35 year old Semyon Varlamov, 36 year old Ben Bishop, 33 year old Freddie Anderson, uh, Jonathan Bernier, 34, Cam Tablet, he's 35, Anton Kadobin, he's 37, I think he was in the AHL, Alex Nedeljkovic, James Reimer, Mike Smith, Aiden Hill, Antti Ranta, like, there is not a number one goalie out there, Jari really is the best goalie uh, available on the UFA market, so you'd, you'd have to look at uh, a trade. Now, which I think helps that uh, because, you know, if you were to try to test free agency and you kind of strung Jari along to see what's out there in free agency, then you might lose Jari and then you might not be stuck with what's in free agency. But that's not a thing here. I, so the Penguins, whenever they're done, uh, season's over, they can, they can start looking at a trade. And if you can get a trade done before a free agency opens and, and get a number one, then hell yeah, like do that. Um, but if not, and you're approaching the start of free agency, um, no hint of a deal coming, then yeah, you might just have to go back to Jari because there's not many options out there. As far as options on the trade market, um, the one that makes a lot of sense to me and the only one I'm going to talk about right now, UC Soros, number one goalie in Nashville. Um, he has two years left on his uh, contract. He only has a $5 million cap hit. That's only $1.5 million more than Jari. You basically make up for that with the uh, Jack Johnson's cap hit going down uh, like a million next year. And I think, you know, I mentioned that and I, people have said like, why would Nashville want to move on from UC Saros? That doesn't make any sense. Pecorino's successor. Um, but Nashville's going, they're not a playoff team this year. They're going into a little bit of a rebuild. They're not going to be contending maybe in the next two years. Um uh, maybe not a full rebuild, but definitely a retool where they're not going to be competing for the cup. 
usually Soros, if the goal is to like not be great these next two years and maybe get better draft picks, usually Soros is going to win you too many games. Um, if you look at his, his goal save above expected, he's like number like two in the league, I think this year behind Allmark. Um, and uh, I know the like some of the expected goal models can can vary a little bit just from the the different public uh, stats sites that are out there. But I saw something I want to say it was earlier today or maybe yesterday that like through the first however many seasons of Saros's career, like he has more goals saved above expected than any other goalie since that's that stat has been a thing, which is dating back to like the 0708 season. Yeah, he's he, he's an all star goalie. Um, he. Oh, and he's only 28. Uh, well, he's, he turns 28 in like two weeks. Happy early birthday, UC Cyrus. <laughs> but, um, so I, th- you know, Nashville, they're, they're not going into a full like years and years rebuild. It's going to be a retool. I think people would look at that and say like, oh, he's 28. He could con, you know, conceivably be the goaltender of their future whenever they do get back into becoming a playoff team. But I think if that's your point, you're forgetting that they literally have a goaltending prospect who is one of the best goaltending prospects any team has, if not the best goaltending prospect in Yaroslav Askarov. Um, he was their 2020 first round pick. This was his first year in uh, North America. Uh, he spent, he, he did come up play one game for Nashville, but he was down in the AHL with Milwaukee. 9-11 save percentage, 2.71 goals against average, three shutouts in 45 games. If Nashville's not going to be contending for anything in the next couple of years, and Askarov, he's a future number one goalie, this would absolutely be the time to bring him up, get him NHL games, get him comfortable um, to be their future number one if that's what they see him being. Um, and then in that case, then yeah, absolutely. Moving on from Saros makes a lot of sense. And if they are rebuilding and they want younger younger assets like an nhl asset maybe like a p.o joseph picks in prospects and absolutely do that i would throw any draft pick they want at them for you say saros because anyone the penguins are going to pick with their first round draft pick we've made this point a million times malkins are going to be on a fishing boat off the coast of florida if they ever do make the nhl if that is with the penguins um where you say saros could help you get anything out of this core now. And if, and if you don't, then he's still young. And then when the penguins do go to a rebuild, then you can move on from Saros. People I, like I'm, I have no issues with moving the draft pick at all. I know some people are like, Oh, you can't keep doing that. I you gotta, the, you gotta jumpstart the rebuild. Like, no, like, the, the, that's not the, happening. The meme I, I saw, um, it's like a, it's like a, it's from family guy. Um, it's, so the Griffins, they like go to like a timeshare scam type thing presentation. And it's like, um, if you sit through the presentation, you know, you can get like a boat or you can get the mystery box. And Peter's like, it's like, yeah, a boat's a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's how I feel like people are looking at like these draft picks. Like you say Saros, you know, he's used to Saros. So number one goalie is number one goalie. But a draft pick could be anything. It could be a number one goalie. It could be a USSRs. Like, yeah, get, get the goalie now. And then who cares about the draft pick? Well, yeah, it's so funny. Like, first round 
just the general term first round draft pick, second round draft pick has infinitely more value than when a name is actually attached to it. Right. So it's like, Ooh, first round pick, like maybe the, maybe the next like sneaky good players. Yeah. Maybe the next sneaky good players in there. And then you're like, Oh, it's now, now the pick's been used and it's, it's Joe Smith from whatever, who like barely averaged a point per game in his crappy junior league, like whatever. These, these it's guys, like a, even, it's like a car. It loses value as soon as you drive it off the lot. Yeah. So yeah. not, not to get into how Hextall managed the, this most recent trade deadline, but like the fact that the Penguins still have as many picks in the cupboard, I know they, they, <laughs> wasted a second round pick to bring Grandland in but the fact that they have so many draft picks still in their pocket over the next like three drafts because it, it's it's just insanity to me that they still have them so if you can if you can utilize those to go out and get an impact goalie especially one like Soros because the goaltending position is super volatile and aside from like the top of the top and the bottom of the bottom there so many goalies performance is just up and down from year to year and it's really hard to predict and project how any goalie is going to perform in any given season so if you can really get get your hands on one of those guys that you know, you know, he, he might not be the Vezina winner every season, but you know, he's going to be in the top handful of goalies every season. I don't know how you don't, I'm just going to say sell the farm or in, in terms of the draft picks, utilize whatever you can to bring them in. And I, I understand that you can't probably just send a package of as many draft picks as you want to get a guy like that, but utilize as many as you can. The Penguins do have, like you said, a guy like Joseph that might be a little bit of interest to them. I would, again, move on from a guy like Owen Picker. Um, you know, there, there's very few assets, I guess, if, if you would even want to refer to them as that, in the that the Penguins have their hands on that I, I would be reluctant to move. Yeah. The only draft pick I think that matters to me is their 2030 first round pick because that is when Alex Latang is draft eligible. <laughs> and he's basically a Penguins prospect at this point with the amount of times he's... That's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like jarring to hear because 2030 doesn't even seem like it's all that far away. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like he was just like five years old being at the... I don't know. Anyway, um, beyond sorrows, do you have any other ideas? goalie targets yeah so um I, I put together a list of just other name there's three other names i wrote down here aside from sorrows that maybe the penguins could take us take at least show some intrigue here heading into the offseason the only one of the three that's an actual unrestricted free agent is freddie anderson um, but he's on the wrong side of 30 and two of the past three years or three of the past four years he has been dealing with some injury issues and when he was healthy in a couple of those seasons he didn't perform all that well so i don't know that you really solve your jari problem by going out and getting a guy who might just be an older jari um so i Again, if, if you can maybe get him or around a cap hit that Jari's at, if Jari, you know, says, screw you guys, I'm going to play in wherever for this ridiculous contract, like that Mur Matt Murray contract that the Ottawa Senators gave him, like if he can get one of those, I think he should jump on, on it regardless. Um, but if that isn't the case, the two other names I picked out here, they're both restricted free agents at the end of the season, but one is Jeremy Swayman from Boston and the other is Ilya Samsonov. Now, I'll start with Samsonov. He's been pretty good for the Maple Leafs this season, but that also leads me to believe that the Maple Leafs are just going to want to keep him around. Um, 
especially because Matt Murray's just been so unavailable this season with his injuries. Like it, it seems like a no brainer for the Leafs to want to bring Samsonov back. So I don't know that the Penguins are going to be able to to pry him away in any sort of trade. And I, I don't think he's necessarily the kind of guy that you would offer sheet. But Swayman is absolutely the kind of guy that I, I personally would would look into offer sheeting. But on top of that, the Bruins are pro they've got Linus Olmark tied up at a, at a $5 million cap hit for another two seasons after this one. Well, Swayman's performed really, really well as his backup. So he, you know, he, he is in line for a decent pay raise here and he's probably want to want to get what he's worth. And I don't know that the Bruins are going to be willing to give that to him just because, they have, I, th- I think they only have four or five forwards under contract for next season. And that doesn't include Patrice Bergeron, who played at a two and a half million dollar cap hit this season. I don't know how I went all year without noticing or, or knowing that. But Patrice Bergeron's cap hit this season is two and a half million dollars. And he's likely going to win the Selkie, which is just insane. But anyway. First, hold on. For so, Swayman, what do you think he would uh, cost? Like, what would his offer sheet, what would you say his offer sheet would be? <sighs> Give me like a give me like a guesstimate. It, I struggle with it because he has performed really well, but it has never been like as the guy. So, is there someone out there that would maybe give him like six million dollars? I think that might be a little risky for the Penguins. I'm maybe looking well, more in that like five five and a half range for a guy like Swayman. So, if that's the case, the Penguins could not do that. Because I don't have the draft capital. Nope, it has to be the coming year. Um, because if you make an if you make an offer sheet and the play and you get the player via an offer sheet, um, the uh, the team you're taking him from, if for if you know, an, uh, if he's a restricted free agent, you give him draft capital. And there's like there's like a range, and it's like from this to this, or they get this. Like if the average value of the offer sheet is this, you have to give this many. So in if the contract um if the average annual value of the offer sheet is between 4.2 million to 6.3 million compensation is a first and a third and the penguins don't have that um if the compensation is um so if it's under 4.2 it's only one second round pick and they could do that so um, that's kind of where you'd be they'd have to stay Um, goalie contracts in general just kind of seem to be all over the place so it's it's kind of hard like do you think swayman would would check in at a number under 4.2 no um i i i I have no idea i think here's the problem is like there are so many teams out there in need of a goalie um and so like the the team i I brought up when we were, were driving to detroit is like buffalo um Buffalo is like a goalie away from being like a, a real playoff team. I think if we, you get into a bidding war like that, you're going to lose out to to Buffalo. And Buffalo, I think pretty sh- Buffalo like has. I don't think they've moved on from yeah. Like they have their draft picks, so like they could do that. Um, so that's where you get into a little bit of trouble. Well, then then you can kind of go back to what we were talking about with Soros, though. And like, is there an avenue where the Penguins could utilize some of the assets they have in their pool to to trade for Swayman's rights? That's that's another that's another option. Yeah, that might that, if that might make more sense if 
if you're going to go after that and it is someone like a Swayman where maybe you don't have the draft capital to make the offer sheet, trading for his rights and then, you know, negotiating with him yourself. That's definitely now, an avenue they can make. With that being said, if the Bruins are looking to get their own haul in trading his rights, I would have to imagine that there's probably a few other teams out there that could put together a better package than the Penguins could. Yeah, I, absolutely. And given like that he's younger, I think he would maybe be in more demand for a team like a like a like a Buffalo than maybe someone like a Saros. I don't know because Buffalo has the pieces to be good for for much longer than the Penguins have, and maybe they want a goalie like a Swayman who can be the number one for a long time. Where yeah. Saros is a little closer to thirty. I don't know. You say Saros. That's all I'm focusing on right now. <laughs> We're gonna. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about prospects, including a goalie prospect. Not Sergei Mereshov. I'm sure you want to talk about him, but we're going to talk about other goalie prospects, other Penguins prospects. So stay tuned. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. We're going to talk about some prospect news updates. Biggest one, first of all, Penguins 2020 second round pick, Joel Blomquist, one one of their best prospects in the entire system. Joel Blomquist, he signed his entry-level contract. And just before that, he signed an ATO, amateur tryout contract, to come over uh, to Wilkes-Barre to finish out the season there. He is is there. He hasn't played yet uh, as of Friday. Um, He needs a couple days to practice because his – finished team got knocked out a little while ago but a little surprising to me um just because i feel like a week ago a week and a half ago i i talked with multiple people in the penguins front office who told me that they did not expect blomquist to come over next year um and and now it's not a given that he's going to come over like they could assign him to to finland um but but them signing him now and having the contract kicked in kick in next season is an indication that they plan on bringing him over um, because they did not have to sign him now. They had his rights until summer 2024. They could have sent him back to Finland, sign him after. Um, so I interesting that things change so quickly because again, multiple people, you know, higher up who. I, you know, worry about the prospects and stuff like this. Told me that they did not expect him to come over. That's not knock on Blomquist or him not being ready. Um, I think more so it's that you need a place for him to play. And you look at who Wilkesbury has under contract. Taylor Gauthier has two more years left on his deal, and he's having a very good year, rookie year down in Wilkesbury. Um, Jakarski's a free agent. If he comes back, if he doesn't come back, who cares? Him. Louis Deming, Max Legacy, dime a dozen, they're interchangeable. Ideally, you would have a veteran number three down there, especially if you do have young goalies down there, just to kind of bounce things off of Lena. Seems like that, so, that's kind of a luxury that they just won't be able to afford, though. Well, as a number three, like a number three in Wilkesbury, like some, like you know, Dustin Carter. No, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying like physically can't fit it under the cap kind of thing, but I'm saying like if if you have Gautier coming off that strong yeah. season, and then you if you want to get Blomquist down that path, it's like you got to kind of weigh the opportunity cost of one or the other. Well, and see, and so I, 
for sure. Like it could, you could have, if Blanc was just coming over, cause you know, he does have pro experience. It's just in Finland. Um, he is kind of young. So you might go into that. Gauthier and Blomquist as, as your Tatum and Wilkesbury. Now, what does that mean for Philip Lindbergh? Probably means he's done. Um, he's we really haven't seen him much this season at all. He's played 19 games. Um, Lindbergh obviously missed most of last season with an ankle injury. Um, it was in his, you know, he had, he had a really good start down there. Um, played seven games. It was like in his seventh game, they had the ankle injury. Had a procedure done, uh, shut down for the rest of the year. This year, he's had a couple minor things that have kept him out, but then he's had one injury that kept him out. It was like it was three and a half weeks, and his current one, and that was a lower body, lower lower body injury. The current one he has is an upper body injury, and it's been since February. So I, I don't like the in the label like injury prone, especially when it's like different. Injuries, like if it's a broken ankle, you can't like strength and condition your way out of a broken ankle. Um, and if it's the injuries this year aren't connected to that, then it's like I, I find I find it hard to like fault him. Um, no, I, like, I, it's I, like, I oh, he's healthy, but no, he, I, even I, when I he has been in, yeah, just real quick, even when he has been in this year, his numbers have not been great. He has like a sub nine hundred save percentage. Yeah. Um, and he, what the games when he was held, so Wilkesbury's been really bad recently. He, when he was playing, they were not that bad. Like first half, first couple of months of the season, Wilkesbury was definitely a playoff team. As of late, they've been sub, sub 500. Taylor Gauthier's putting up much better numbers in front of a, behind a worse team. So back to you. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, I just on your injury prone front, like I, I definitely feel for players players that just can't seem to ever shake the injury bug. Like my my senior year of, of playing high school hockey, we had like a, a it was I want to say it was the last like preseason tournament we'd play before the regular season would start, and it was a Thanksgiving tournament. It was like our last game of the tournament, first shift. I'm like going to block a shot in the D zone and I like run into the dude who's taking a shot and my blade catches a rut in the ice and like shattered my ankle. Okay. So miraculously 28 days later, I was back on the ice skating with a brace. It did not feel good. And I'm not a very good skater anyway. So I'm sure I looked pretty dusty out there, but I was back playing a couple of weeks go by. And, and like, by that point, um, you know, I, I was already bummed about missing a chunk of my senior season anyway, got to play for a few weeks. And then we, we had our last practice of the week before the weekend of our senior night. And it's like five minutes until practice is over. We're just doing this dumb little battle drill. And this goon that we had on our team that could not skate whatsoever, like literally was a football like lacrosse dude that was playing hockey just because he like had a couple buddies on the JV team kind of thing. Giant meathead just blindsides me up high. Five minutes left in practice. And I, I don't know. I don't remember how it happened, but I must have like braced for it and somehow just ended up like shattering my wrist at that point. And like typically when I'm going on such a tangent here, we're supposed to so supposed to be talking about prospects, but here's a yeah. little anecdote. Uh, anyway, <laughs> my wrist gets shattered. Like typically when you get hit, you just kind of get back up. But when I got hit, I 
like stayed down on the ice and I was like, what the heck's going on? I was like, oh, my wrist kind of hurts. So I take my glove off and my wrist is like going all like this. And I'm like, yeah, that's done. So like anyway, like I feel for the dudes who are injury prone because like there's nothing you could have friggin done about that. That's the longest story uh, that you didn't <laughs> need to hear back to the prospect talk. We were talking about Lindbergh for anyone that forgot. Thanks for the story, Danny. Uh, Lindbergh is a restricted free agent this summer. So do you move on from him maybe? Or just given that he's barely played in the last two years, if you do want to assign him, put him in wheeling uh, and see what, what, what comes of it would not be the worst thing in the world. But I would not re-sign him to be in Wilkes-Barre, which is too bad because he was definitely a great signing at the time. Um, when when they got him as a he, he was a drafted free agent who went unsigned um, by Minnesota. Um and he did have a really great start to his AHL season. It's just that injuries have derailed it and he really hasn't had much time at all to play. Um so if you do resign him, um put him in wheeling. Um I would not wish wheeling upon anyone. I don't think Lindbergh deserves that. He's a nice guy, but uh, it would be nice to the penguins to have that kind of like insurance down there. Um, right. But Blomquist, I mean, speaking of injuries, he barely played the season two. Yeah. Um, so he had a concussion. Um, I, I talked to him, by the way. If you look at DK Pittsburgh Sports, if you Google his name, it'll the story should come up. I did a phone interview with him uh, maybe like a week and a half, two, week, two weeks ago, which back to the point about how this all seemed to come together so suddenly. When I talked to him, he didn't think he was coming over this season either. And he didn't know what was happening next season because I asked him, you know, because his contract in Finland expired. He was a free agent in Finland. It was really, you know, he could go to a different Finnish team. He could come over. And he said he, it hasn't been decided yet because it's not really just up to him what he wants to do. If the Penguins don't have a spot for him, then, you know, they're just going to tell him, like, we're keeping you over in Finland. We're not bringing you over yet. And he said, yeah, it's my agent and Penguins, and you know, we all have to talk. Uh, and I asked him, like, what would you want to do if it were just up to you? And he's like, oh, I'd, I'd come over. I want to come over. Um, which is that I wasn't totally expecting to, because like you talked to like him or like when they had Callie Klang over in Sweden and what they tell you is they want to have, um, you know, like what Blomkvist told me last year uh, is that they want to have a full year as a starter in their, in their league, the Finnish league for, for Blomkvist. Um, and have a good year and then come over. Now Blomquist last season, he was a backup and he, you know, even he, he, he got a good number of starts for a backup. Um, and he took over, um, as the starter in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, in the regular season, he like led in like every statistical category. And it's like every like third start was a shutout. He was great. This year he was a starter. October, he gets a concussion from being run into he uh, misses about three weeks. He comes back. Um, I forget how many games he played, but then in December, so two months later, after he came back, um, he gets a, another concussion from being run into. This one, he told me all about, you know, the symptoms, the more severe, just because it was his second one, um, so close to another one. Uh, so they, out, because it was more severe and out of an abundance of caution, they shut him down for the rest of the regular season. Um, when his, the team he plays for carpet, um, the going into the playoffs, like Blomquist was cleared to play, 
He was also cleared by Pittsburgh's doctors to play because the Penguins brought him to North America, brought him to Pittsburgh, let their doctors check him out. Um, got cleared. He was feeling good. He, he just wasn't quite back up to form because he was away from the ice for, you know, three months. Um, going to the playoffs was not supposed to be back yet, but last game of the regular season, their start, the carpet's, Backup got hurt, and, and so instead of going into like a Louis Domingue situation over there, Blomquist came back a little bit earlier than they would have liked. Um, they got knocked out in the first round. Not really his fault. The team in front of him wasn't doing anything. But uh, long story short, Blomquist, a little interesting that he's coming over, and it makes me wonder that um, could this be because like they see him as he so right now he's their their goaltending prospect that I would say would have the fastest track to the HL just of where he is right now is that maybe part of it that like they don't know where this is going with Jari that's what I thought I mean possibly I, but again I, like he's not uh, to, to be clear I don't think he's playing in the NHL next season right um, at least not like as a regular role, maybe he comes up as like a third at some point, but hmm? yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think it, it's smart. Like when you have, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider him a blue chip prospect, but he's, he's one of the better prospects they have. And I, I'm of the belief that you should um, maybe, I don't know if accelerate is the right term for it, but I think you should put those kinds of prospects in positions to succeed and, you know, challenge them a little bit in those kinds of situations. And it could also be, I mean, I think they already have kind of given him a vote of confidence by, by this contract that they've given him. Um, so you know, it, it, it's kind of like a show me thing. We're giving you this opportunity here, but also, you know, prove to us that we made the right decision. True. And for those who don't know, his nickname is Bloma. So he's Finnish, but his name is Swedish. Like his background is Swedish. Bloma in Swedish is flower. Not much more needs to be said there. I think you got what I'm saying. <laughs> um, other prospects that we want to talk about. Owen Pickering. Owen Maybe. Pickering is now making, he is four games into his AHL career after his season ended uh, with Swift Current. Um, so that being said, I have seen very little of those games, but from what I've heard and what the box score says, hasn't been all that great. Yeah. So, so you know, Wilkes-Barre's in a playoff push. You'd think he'd be a boost coming over. Um, this, this, is, this is something they do regularly. You know, if you have a player in juniors and their junior season ends, because Pickering is not old enough to play in the AHL full-time, but because his junior season is done, he's eligible to come over on a tryout contract, play without his um, entry-level contract kicking in. He'll be back in juniors next season regardless. Um, this is more about getting him the experience um, because you have to be, if you're a junior eligible, you have to be 20 years old to play in the AHL. That's a rule the NHL and the Canadian Hockey League junior leagues have to prevent the AHL from depleting the junior leagues of like their top prospects. So long story short, Pickering's going back to juniors no matter what next season anyway because he's not ready for the NHL. It's either NHL or back to juniors. 
this season is more just like a little fun, uh, fun experience for him. Well, it hasn't been that fun, like you said. He's um he's been paired with Taylor Fudun most of these games, which Taylor Fudun great in the games in Pittsburgh when he was with Mark Friedman. Taylor Fudun Wilkesbury has not been like that great, so I don't know. So his his partner is not that great. I guess I mean it's, if you're going to pair him with anyone, it's nice to have like a veteran guy like that. But so I haven't been able to watch every single one of these games we are driving for the one today. Um, but so the, what I've watched from him, it's it just very clear that he needs to get stronger. He needs to get bigger and just heavier. Because um, like the ones I've watched, it, just how easily um, he gets knocked down um, is, is clear when he's playing. You know, he's in juniors. He's one of the top prospects in juniors. He's also playing against teenagers. The guys in the AHL are bigger, stronger, heavier, faster, smarter. Um He's getting knocked off the puck easily. He's getting knocked down easily when he's getting hit. It seems like it's it's affecting him more. So I mean, it, this isn't like some crazy revelation that um, Pickering needs to get bigger. Uh, that's that's he he had a growth spurt. Um, uh, I forget how many how much he put on like at least half a foot in like no time. He used to be pretty undersized, and he, so he's he's still growing into his body. That's yeah, nice. and, um, and he even told us like during development camp after he was drafted last summer, like he he straight up told us he's still kind of figuring out how to to be a, an effective hockey player in his new body type. Like that, it's just it's completely different when you grow that much, like just going straight up. It, it, it changes a lot about the way you skate and the way you're, you, you play through physicality and the, the way you handle the puck and even shoot it. Um, so, so that was something that we knew was going to be a little bit of a challenge for him. Um, and I, I do think it's good that he's getting a little bit of a taste in the AHL now because the AHL is obviously a, a very, very physical league where you got a lot of guys down there that are trying to be bring energy and, and prove their worth by bringing that physicality. Um, so I do like that, but and I, I, I'm not a, a plus minus guy by any stretch of the imagination, but because we have relatively limited um, stat databases for the AHL in the minor leagues, like in four games, Pickering has no goals, no assists, and he is a dash seven. So like. So, and they've, they've put him out there. Um, and what I've watched, I thought it was like encouraging that they, you know, he's quarterbacking the second power play unit like two minutes into his AHL debut um, after not really having much practice time either. That's also kind of an indication of what options Booksbury has on D at this point. <laughs> that Pickering coming right out of juniors uh, being a string band is, you know, one of your best options. But I mean, yeah, not there, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this. It just, it's, it's nice to see him getting that um, experience. It's not, um, He's not doing too well, but it's not like, uh, like, oh no, this is maybe he's oh, yeah, not no, that it, good. It's, it's not. It's, it's not, not the end of the world or anything. No, um, I don't think he's having that much fun down there. But, uh, but <laughs> all right, let's, speaking, let's let's get to our last guy here. Well, no, okay, we got two, but the first one, Sam Poulan. There's not really much to talk about. Oh, yeah, he just we wants to tell people he did. So we're recording this Friday, like we said. He played his first game in. Oh, since December. Um, I saw it as four months, I think. So, yeah. So he, he, he took that mental health break. He did, we didn't know what it was at the time. It was just for personal reasons. Um, 
he announced a couple of weeks ago that he was coming back. He did come back to Wilkes-Barre at that time. Um, it's just that given that he has, I mean, he was like working out still when he was back home um, in, in Quebec, but he, he wasn't, obviously wasn't practicing with like a team. Um, so he needed a couple of weeks to like get back up to a form. He, you know, got right back into his spot centering Wilkes-Barre's second line. Um, so yeah, it's just a one game. I wouldn't, I don't know if, I don't think we'll see him in the NHL the rest of the season. If he had stuck around and he was like in an okay place um, mentally and like playing well, then maybe we would have seen him more this season. But I just think um, the focus now is, I mean, he's okay. He's, it's nice to see that he's back and he's going to come back stronger next season. Um, I, I would, I would be surprised to see him back up. And if, if, I don't know if a bunch of guys get hurt, which, that's Penguins hockey, baby. Yeah. Then maybe we see him. Um, yeah, like you said, my, my biggest takeaway from it, I, I'm just glad he's doing okay and, and is back at a point where he's like good to be back around the game. I I obviously don't want to get into like anybody's personal lives or anything, but that that's just kind of scary to think about and like you really feel for somebody like that. So I'm just glad he's back in the kind of headspace where he he feels like he can get back to the game because it, it seems like that is something that, that he really relies on in, in trying times like that is just being around the game as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's encouraging to see him have, one, the courage to speak up and say, like, hey, I need help. I need to get away from hockey for however long. And for the team to be 100% behind him from the, get the beginning, tell him, like, take as much time as you need. Because he's not the first player to struggle with stuff like this. And if someone is not in a good headspace like that, it's it's helping nobody. If he If a player like that is staying and suffering, trying to – play through it when that's not what's best for them and it, they're that would affect their play too that's not good for the team either like plan wasn't playing well in the time leading up to when he uh decided to take his leave that's because you know he's obviously going through stuff so best for everyone nice to see the penguins support it nice to see Poulin have the courage to um step up and say like hey i need to get away hopefully there are more players like hopefully there's not many players like that in Poulin's situation but if there are uh, hopefully this is like the start of a trend of players taking the time for themselves because uh, the alternative, uh, not great. The last yeah. guy we actually, well, do you have anything to say? No, I, I was just going to say like, not necessarily like a trend, but just feeling comfortable enough to be like, I'm not okay right now. Like I am a detriment to my team. I, I need to, to take care of myself. I, I just think they're like, we're getting to a point now where, where that is okay. And it is accepted. I, that that's just a great thing because as you mentioned, you, you don't want to be out there and putting, especially like your, some of your top prospects, not to say that it matters if you are a top prospect, but do you really want to be putting your top prospect in a, in a situation like that where he's not okay right now? And you're like, okay, like you just got to battle through, man. We got to get Wilkes-Barre in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it, it says a lot too about like Wilkes-Barre's leadership, like their coaching staff. That um, Poulin has a relationship with those guys that he can talk to them, and um, it leads to him getting the help he needs. So good on everyone involved. Last guy I want to talk about. Um, not really, not a Penguins prospect anymore. But while we were away, um, the Penguins traded Judd Caulfield. Um, Winger, North Dakota prospect, uh, 22 years old. He was their fifth round pick in 2019. He's big, six foot four, 212. I think some people, that's all they need to hear. And they're like, that's that. Yeah, that's a, that's a guy. 
that's certainly a guy. <laughs> um, uh, out of North Dakota, he was a senior. Um, they traded him to Anaheim for Timo Nickel, um, who is a right-handed defense prospect. He was the Ducks' fourth-round pick in 2020. He was playing in the Allsvenskan um, last year. That's the second um, Swedish league. He's not Swedish. He's Austrian. Uh, Timo Nickel. He has an extra letter in his first name and is missing a letter in his last name. That's the most interesting thing about him. He's So both of these guys... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just trading the rights. Um, Nickel, he's the Penguins now. The you know his rights expire summer twenty twenty four. Um, so he's not signed. Caulfield, he is now signed by Anaheim. He signed his entry level deal two two years, but at, at the time, um, he 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 was unsigned. So it's just trading his rights now. I think a lot. So my speculation about like why this happened at the time is like maybe Caulfield did not want to sign and they traded him because um, his rights, you know, if, if, if you don't sign him, his rights expire at some point, eventually might as well try to get something for him. It's actually the opposite. The penguins did not want. So, and it, it makes sense. Um, Caulfield had already announced that he was going back to North Dakota for a fifth season. That's something he's allowed to do. The, um, college hockey it, players have an extra year of eligibility because of the impact COVID had on, on those seasons. Um, so he had announced that he was going back for a fifth year. Normally his rights would have expired this year, but because he was going back to college, they would have expired the following summer. I thought that that was something he was doing to improve his draft stock um, to sign with a team other than the Penguins. That's not what was happening. Um, the Penguins did not want to sign him. And he knew that now because he's not a free, in order to test free agency, he could have done that. He could have graduated as a senior, hit, waited until August 15th. He would have been an unrestricted free agent. He could have talked to anyone he wanted. He could have signed anywhere. He would not have had to sign with the Penguins if he waited until August 15th. But he didn't think anyone wanted to sign him. That's kind of like how low his stock was at this point um now there's no way of knowing that for sure obviously because he he can't he would have had to leave college and wait until august 15th to figure that all out but basically his numbers were not great um they really didn't show much improvement over the last year but that's not it, it was just kind of like his overall game um speed is a big thing again i think people just look at his size and they're like yeah that's, a, that's all i need to know uh you can't teach that you can teach the rest but it just, he, he wasn't, apparently he didn't think, the sense he got was that teams were not going to sign him to an NHL contract. Because, I mean, you only get 50 contracts to give out. Um, so you don't want to waste them on too many, like, projects. And he was always going to be kind of a project. That's not surprising. Now, Anaheim actually did want to take a flyer on him. So they traded for him. And then, so like, we want to sign you. So Caulfield is not going back to school anymore. He's uh, signing with Anaheim. He's turning pro. But yeah, so that's, that's not, I know people saw that and they're like, oh, this is an example of, you know, prospects not wanting to play for the Penguins because the young players never get a shot. And they don't want to play for Hexel. Mike Sullivan hates all the young guys. Like, which, uh, relax, calm down. No, 
that's not what was happening at all. The Penguins didn't like him, and apparently not many teams did either. Anaheim taking a flyer on him is not um, an indication that the Penguins screwed up there. Now, well, with, the, with the way the Ducks season is going, he could be playing on their third line next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's the thing. Um, another thing, I think, so we've talked on the show before about college, undrafted guys in college that we've been watching. Um, in particular, Aiden Fulp, uh, defenseman, big, bright, big guy, uh, defenseman out of Western Michigan, and then Max Sasson, young, soft, well, not too young because he was an old, he was older for a sophomore, but sophomore center out of Western Michigan. Both those guys signed elsewhere. Canucks signed um, Sasson, Islanders signed Fulp. Now, um, I think people look at, because so you look at last year, the Penguins signed six prospects in the free agent market, five undrafted guys, and then one who, by that August 15th deadline, went unsigned and became an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent in Jack St. Ivany. They haven't signed any this year to NHL deals. And I think people were looking at that, and again, like what I was saying, like, oh, kids, prospects don't want to sign here because no spots, in the, like, they're never going to get a call up. That's not happening. The, so the Penguins never made an offer to Fulp or Sasson. And basically what I was told is that um, they really haven't been in on many of these guys because they don't think this is a good market for college free agents. Like, there absolutely are top Which top really guys. means that it's a great market. <laughs> <laughs> there are, like, top guys, obviously, but, like, are those actually going to be good prospects or do they just are they just better than everyone else? Relatively right. speaking, the Penguins think, yeah, there are like, you know, top guys this year and they're getting deals, but are they potentially like future impact players? They don't see that as the case. So I would not be surprised if we really don't see many, if any signings, which again is fine because they signed six last year, which is just absurd for one year. Um, Corey Anofsky, he's having a pretty good year. Ty Glover has been, I, I don't know if I'd say underwhelming, but he hasn't been like a full-time. He's been healthy scratch a couple of times. Um, another guy out of Western Michigan, Ty Glover. Um, Corey Anonofsky out of Princeton. Uh, Taylor Gauthier, who we've already talked about, great signing. Jordan Frasca, a little underwhelmed by him, especially given his OHL numbers with Kingston. He's been in wheeling. Has it really? Yeah, you were pumping his tires before the season. What happened? Well, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like I know that like you couldn't put a whole lot of stock into his numbers given that he was an overager and a lot of those numbers were from a sharing a power play with Shane Wright. But um uh not very impressed. And then Jack St. Ivany, uh Colin Sawyer. Have I named six of them? Is that six? Was anyone counting? Colin Sawyer. I think like you named twenty. <laughs> uh Frasca. Uh Frasca Frasca uh, Glover, Ananovsky, Jack St. Ivany, Swear, Gauthier. That's all of them. Swear, um, other uh, defensemen. He was hurt for a while to start the season. It was a training camp. Uh, high ankle sprain out of training camp. So he he just kind of got was behind the eight ball to start. Jack St. Ivany, he's been having a fine year. So they signed a six. You can't hit on all of them. I, don't, I wouldn't say any of them are a bust yet. But Gauthier's definitely been uh, the highlight of that. If they don't sign any this year, it's not the end of the world. As much as I would have liked to see Aiden Fulp or Max Sasson 
sign here just because of all the time I spent watching him because I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, that concludes our longest episode of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Alex and I went pretty uh, long about you two, two weeks ago, and his stories were honestly better. Because uh, he is talking about the time he was traded like four times in one day in the ECHL and the time he got his nose broken in a What, you mean that's more interesting hockey. than the story about the time I broke my wrist? Yeah, and it was a lot shorter, too. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, again, uh, I'm Taylor Danny. We're in Detroit, uh, so we're going to have coverage of that game uh, Saturday. When you're when you're listening to this, you might be listening to this after. You might be listening to this before. We're going to have coverage of both of the Penguins Road games left and uh, playoffs, maybe. Uh, so stay tuned for that over at DK Pittsburgh Sports. We drop episodes every Saturday for real this time because Danny's back. Uh, so we'll have an episode next week for sure. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We drop uh, episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, and we're on YouTube now. Uh, you look up DK Pittsburgh Sports Penguins. There's now a Penguins-only dedicated YouTube channel for all of our uh, videos over at DK Pittsburgh Sports. So our videos, Dan's daily shots, um, the 24-7s, we do live after every Penguins uh, game, some practices, and then, of course, our on-the-scene um, interview videos. So uh, look for us there. Look for us for work at DK, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm rambling. Thanks for listening. <laughs>